From the studios of their respective lounge rooms, a team of pyjama-clad TV tragics ready to slice, dice and dissect the best and worst of what's on the box. It's TV Binge Box. Hello TV lovers, I'm Joe Casamento. Welcome to TV Binge Box, the podcast where we love to take a little time each week to chat the best and worst of what's on the telly. And what a week. I'm literally bursting out of my nighty. But first of all, and I'm actually not lying, people out there, because I'm in a spray tan and it's very delicate. But uh, fortunately, my zoom lens only goes to a certain level. Fellas, uh, big welcome to Stephen Mock. Uh, Joe, you leave me speechless. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's that time of night. I need another three hours in it. Otherwise, it won't work. Uh, and the busiest man in the biz, Mr. Stephen Brooke. Hi, I think I've got problems. I've just moved house and I picked up one of my packing crates. Yeah. And I could hear the sound of the TARDIS dematerialising. Oh. So oh I think I need to take some time off. <laughs> oh, dear. That sounds drastic. It's either a toy or I'm hallucinating. Right. Cold okay. cold Oh, dear, 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 you do need some time off to sort your life and, and packages. Now, we are very excited that our very own talented Mr. Bennett can join us this week. Hello, gang. Uh, how, how are, are you, Dan? We? You're back I'm with us. good. Yeah, I know. You can't keep me away, really. I was going to say, you couldn't leave us. You podcast slut, yeah. Bennett. I am. <laughs> <laughs> all over He's the place. there, everywhere. Now, enough with this frivolity. We have way too much to get through. We really do. <laughs> A little later, we'll be group binging the most explosive TV interview mm. of all time. I'm actually going to call it that. And it's not too big of a Of all time. Plus, Malk's of all time. I'm going there. Plus, Malk is back in the archives, I hope, for another round of rewind. But first, let's find out what our binge boxes have been watching this week in... Clap. Or slap. Mulk, you're up first. What has been... Oh, so many things, Joe Gessimento. This is such torture. (laughs) But you can only tell us about two. I have been a good boy and I only bring two. However, I will forewarn you, they are both claps. Um, I was desperately, deeply happy with the end of WandaVision uh, last week on Disney+. Plus. All nine episodes are available now, friends. If you're waiting to binge it, I will not spoil it. Other than saying there was a real maturity in the writing... Uh, an incredible story was told and perfectly set up phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, is it cinematic anymore because it's television? But you know what I'm saying. Um, it's going to be amazing. And the Falcon and the Winter Soldier starts next week. So it just gets better and better in my house. Um, so very happy uh, with that. Mulk, for the dummies, mm. briefly, what is WandaVision about? Oh is it a sitcom? God, is it science fiction? I just don't get That's it. That's all right. Because well, I will do this as spoiler-free as I can, Brookie. Uh, Wanda, a.k.a. in the comics, The Scarlet Witch, um, suffered great loss in the, the the final movie of Phase 3, Avengers Endgame, when her the love of her life, The Vision, a creation of Tony Stark, um, Thor's lightning, and a few other things. No, 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 Dark. no, no, no. If I watch the first episode, what am I getting? Oh, you're going to get this weird um, 1950s throwback sitcom with two magical yes. characters in it. But it's, that's what it appears, but it's not really no, that? it's or... it's a, almost like a fever dream. And that's what the first three episodes absolutely feel like. Okay. 50s, 60s. My teams have been loving it. Absolutely loving it. But you so have to know who be. the characters are, Brookie. Anyway. I've gone no, on too long. No, you don't. I'm the great unwashed here. Just, you know, 
Sit me down All right. in front of the TV. I don't even have a TV. It hasn't arrived yet. Look, just as what's on Disney+, Plus, oh you don't have to watch goodness. it on TV. Um, so, WandaVision, big claps. Well done. The, the other thing was that I saw a documentary that is available at Foxtel On Demand, but airs, we're recording Wednesday night, it airs tonight on Fox Showcase. It's called There Is No I in Threesome. And, look, obviously it's a titillating title. It's talking about polyamory and open relationships and all of that sort of stuff. And that is the basis of this documentary uh, a couple he's a documentary maker she's an actress um, are engaged to be married in 12 months and they decide that they're going to sow their royal oats live a life where they have an open relationship to do whatever they need to do in part and this is a great line because we want to do the stuff while we're still bendy um, uh, and and have all of the sex and then when they get married all of that stops they de- de- and still remain devoted to each other the whole time but that it becomes a monogamous relationship when they get married it's amazing. I've got a very clear thought on this. It's amazing. Are, are the couple attractive or not? Uh, uh, yeah, I will say yes, though not Hollywood attractive, if that makes sense. Like, they're, they're attractive enough. Um, he's bisexual. She, I would say, is, given some of the stuff that she talks about and what goes on. Um, the, the storytelling is great. It is all filmed on iPhones uh, and GoPros. But edited together really well because that's Documentary Man's day job is editing. So some wonderful things. And then it takes this dramatic twist that I cannot tell you how it left me feeling, but it was amazing. What a payoff for this story where they are both expressing sincere jealousy. It looks like the relationship is going to crash and burn. And then, friends, check it out. 90 minutes. There is no iron threesome. Warning, there's some boobies I'm and butts. Watching that tonight. But yeah. it's so that great. Okay. Sorry, where did you say it was? It was on that Fox was on Showcase or Foxtel On Demand. On Fox Showcase. Yeah, Foxtel Now, whatever. Okay. Uh, probably even on Binge, right. I would expect too. Fantastic. All That's right, Dan, sweet. what have you been watching? I am clapping this week, Murder Amongst the Mormons. It's a three part oh. Netflix true <laughs> crime doggo. I want to watch this. Um, Yes, that tells I'm the story in the middle of, of, of... Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, of three lethal... and cult religion. Mm. This is brilliant. And cult religion. It has tick, it all covered. Tick, tick. Yeah, it's about three lethal explosions that rattled Salt Lake City in 1985 and ultimately exposes the dark underbelly of, all things, religious document dealing. Didn't even know that was a thing. Um, it is wild, and I definitely mm. did not predict where it was going in the last episode. The level of deception is really quite staggering i mean the man's a criminal but he's he's a genius um so watch it it's only three episodes so very easy to binge check that out murder amongst the mormons big clap on netflix and i do have a slap this week if you are following our facebook group page you will have noticed i slapped this a couple of weeks Hmm. but i am so aghast about it that i feel it's warranted to Get Guernsey on the podcast as well. It is the reboot of Punky Brewster <laughs> on Stan. <laughs> so Lane Boone Fry is back in the titular role, this time with foster kids of her own. It was so, so bad. The writing is just atrocious. How anyone signed off on those scripts, I will never know. I'm assured that it gets Oof. better as the series goes on, but I have absolutely no intention of finding out. So, yeah, Punky Brewster, all of the slaps. Were you a fan in the day? Yeah, I used to watch it as a kid, so it kind of right, it was okay. one of those sort of nostalgia ones, a bit like Full House mm-hmm. with the reboot of Full House that came out, um, gotcha. which I quite enjoyed. Yeah, but no, Punky Brewster slap. 
Slap. Okay. Well, Brookie, you just said you don't have a TV, so I'm trying to picture if you're doing this at the gym or in the office. But tram. What, I, what have you been watching? <laughs> the tram on the phone? Where uh, have you been watching, more importantly? Well, I have been living in two states this week. So, obviously, Saturday night was the Sydney gay and lesbian Mardi ah, Gras. Of course. Uh I actually ended up watching Death in Paradise on the ABC. Oh. <laughs> I was staying at my mum's, which is kind of comfort viewing. I think we've discussed it before. But lo and behold, they've changed lead actors again. Again. So the hints series, in the title, is, think, mate. Season nine. <laughs> uh, and they've just got a new lead detective. It used to be Ben Miller. Then it was Chris Marshall. Then it was the comedian Ardell O'Hanlon. Now, just playing as the first episode with Ralph Little, who I think used to be in two packs, two pints of lager and a packet of crisps. <laughs> anyway, completely new detective, changes the entire show. This is the one set on the fictitious island in the Caribbean. Mm. Uh, he is like, I mean, the lead detective is always a bit quirky. He's got a, a allergy against sunlight. So there's lots of weird plotting But he's not a vampire. No, he's not a a vampire. (laughs) There's the classic sort of cosy Agatha Christie-style murder, um, diverting enough if that is your kind of thing. And then I was at a complete loose end, so I'm like, what am I going to do? I put on last week's Binge Box podcast and took up a recommendation from... Joe Casamento, which is the feature film Minari. Oh, I thought you were going to say Britney. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I saw that one at the cinema. Um, This is the Korean American Mm. best picture winner, wasn't it? Best foreign language. It was best foreign language film. Golden Globe. And what a treat! I was. Oh, I'm so captivated by it, but more importantly, in the days since I watched it, I keep returning to it, Mm. Joe. And I think you explained it so well. Um, Korean American family trying to make their way as farmers. A beautiful son, David, who really held it together, and for all sorts of different reasons. There's a scene where he is running after his grandmother in the dead of night that has stayed with me for mm. days and days. Oh, I've got goosebumps thinking about it now. Thank yeah. you for reminding me. So I've got to check yeah. it out. Did you see the clip during the week of that young boy won the best young actor? Um, at, I think it was the Director's Guild Greg's Awards Joyce or one of the awards oh, during the week. And the so clip cute. is just oh. divine. He just sobs like a little kid when they're just, yeah. oh, it's, yeah, wow. awesome. So I, it was interesting because I watched it and I quite enjoyed it, but it's it's one of those films that has stayed with me far past the mm. original Ooh, screening, good. which I think is its real value. I think that is definitely the measure. So of they a good both claps, Brookie. So, oh, I'm glad you liked that. Yeah, two claps. Two claps. Nice. Wonderful. All right. Well, such a big week for me. I am obsessed with. I have a new Foxtel box. I got it back. I had to succumb. So I'm very excited. Uh, Fox Showcase, I have been obsessed mm. with Alan vs. Farrow. Yeah. It oh, lobs gosh. on Mondays at about lunchtime, which is terrible if you're trying to work from home. Um, but break. I am completely obsessed. You know, my Mondays have turned to mine. <laughs> this is basically the story that we all... It's a little bit similar to when I watched... Well, Britney, we just mentioned the Britney doco, but also the Michael Jackson documentary mm. and that... 
you knew this period of history so well. Uh, I remember Mia Farrow and um, Woody Allen and, you know, all the, you sort of knew they had hundreds of adopted kids and there was all this weirdness and they lived in two separate houses and, and you knew there was a lot of stuff that went down. But I don't think I ever really understood what happened. And when you watch this documentary, I feel so sickened sure. that we allowed this predator, this molester, who still has an amazing career, who still gets mm. nominated at award ceremonies, to live under our eyes and do the things he did. And it's just horrific. It really is. I implore anyone. It is very sensitive material. I do put a warning with mm. that. It would be incredibly triggering. It is so raw. They have Dylan, who is the adopted daughter of... Um, of um, Mia and Woody really uh, telling all. It's got the court documents that were never revealed before, the audio tapes, they the video tapes from when yeah. she was two, yeah. three years old, describing the horrific acts this man did to her in their attic. I, I, I can't even. It's just too, it's too much. And it sent me down a rabbit hole because I then listened to the podcast that her brother, Ronan, who was actually named Satchel back then, and he is the genetic child of Woody and Mia, um, his podcast, To Catch and Kill, which, of course, tells the, then, the story of how he brought the Harvey Weinstein uh, me, and hashtag Me Too movement mm. to life. Uh, but... Really an incredible watch. I implore anyone, as I said, but with that warning, if it's going to be triggering, please don't yeah, do yeah. it because it will be too much for you. That is on Fox Showcase and it's called Alan vs. Farrow. Um, and there's one more episode to love. It's four episodes long. Uh, my slap, very quick, because I only got two minutes into it. And I was so excited. All weekend on a Sunday night, I say to the kids, what are we watching? What are we watching? They usually pick this week. I insisted, no, I've got it. It's going to be coming to America too. It's out on Amazon Prime. We are watching it. We've all loved the first. Literally two minutes in, we all just looked at each other and said, we can't. Oh, Some you pulled the pin. left in the past. They're just best left in the past. So big slap from me for coming to America too. Just didn't live up to the Gosh. hype. I'll avoid that one. So avoid that one. All right. That is our clap and slaps for the week. Uh, now it is time for our big one, our... Group binge. Okay. So we were very excited to group binge It's a Sin this <laughs> week, as we mentioned last week. But as you all know, or unless you've been living under a rock, there really was this tiny little interview that aired on Monday night that literally dropped a bomb on Buckingham Palace. And, well, we in TV loving land just couldn't help but rub our hands together mm. as there is so much to unpack here, guys, isn't there? <laughs> Don't fear, beloved yeah. binges. We will bring you It's a Sin next week, a show which deserves so much love and attention. But for now, we are going to delve into the royal crisis. I don't even know where to begin. I watched the live stream. I started doing washing while I was doing it and then just found myself absolutely transfixed. I, like the rest of the globe, was captivated. The grenades Meghan started throwing from the outset. I found it was very much the Meghan Markle show. She was in charge. She was in control of the narrative. Most of the interview is with her alone before Harry arrives. She was the heroine who found her voice again, as she alluded to. It was very much a Disney movie. She talked about being aerial. Harry seemed to have been saved or rescued by... Uh, 
from the big bad palace by her and could now see how trapped his brother and father were within mm. the institution. Well, that was the narrative. Don't you love how this word narrative is just so prominent these days? Yeah. So where to begin? The fallout is being felt around the globe. Immense sadness, I think, by all parties. As Oprah said at the beginning, no topic was off limits, although I do question that. Uh, her family certainly didn't appear, and I wanted to ask the question, why do you think everyone should be paying for it? But anyway, we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. It really did delve into royal life in a way we haven't seen since Di's revelations of two decades ago, but I think this was even more damaging and explosive. Now, Brookie, there have been two very different ways this interview's been taken. There's a huge divide, don't you think? There's sort of, you could almost say between the British and the Americans. I think even President Biden offered support to Meghan, uh, while more than 40%, I believe, in Britain thought it was an inappropriate (laughs) interview to do. But also their treatment in the media. I found that very interesting. The old guard, the more traditional print media, obviously had their very big slant on it. And then millennials took it really well. They particularly understood and sympathised with Megan's mental health issues. Some are apathetic, like our Facebook, I had to bring this one up, Bingy Dawn Louise, who said... My take, two millionaires sat down with a billionaire and bleated and moaned about their awful lives and how unfair it all was while wandering around their mansion with the chicken coop, where the chicken coop is larger than the airport. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Myanmar, uh, yes, yeah, so look, there was a lot of different opinions. This interview is the most watched TV show of 2021 so far and one that everyone does agree was completely shocking and fascinating. Brookie... What is it about this interview and this couple, or I'm going to even just put it on Megan, what is it that has divided the the world so much? And you've been in a newsroom all week. I'm fascinated. What is the talk in the newsroom? Is there division in the ranks? Well, a huge amount of discussion, not just in the newsroom, Mm. but also in the pub. Um, Ah, I, I think this, your reaction to this show is how old you are, what your background is, whether you sympathise with Megan, whether you are critical of her because you feel she's been naive or disingenuous or surely knew what she was getting herself in for. There was quite a lot. I mean, this was a long interview. It's rare Mm. for an interview to go for 12 minutes, let alone two hours. So there was a lot of ground covered there was also a lot of different topics and a lot of different touch points that you could grab and mm. say, oh, well, she said that and I found that totally true to life or she said that and, you know, I there think... There were 10 different leads in, in one interview, weren't there? That you could have, 10 different headlines you could have gone. Yes, my colleague Charlotte particularly wanted me to point out 10, critical of 10, because halfway through the screening, they had a big ad break where they revealed more... From the interview oh. that hadn't Ouch. even appeared. So that kind of ruined it a oh, bit for her. Okay. I, without a TV, went over to my Melbourne friend, Julietta, who's on the Facebook group. Who, oh, JJ. Yes. Who, uh, oh, we had Thai food and a bottle of champagne. And oh, bless. her dog kept jumping up on the couch. His name was George. So it was very <laughs> royal family already. And, and I've got to know, what was JJ's take? For listeners out there, JJ is one of the wisest, most wonderful women in the world. I'm really interested in what her thoughts were. Uh, she was captivated like we were, sympathetic to Megan in parts, but also highly critical mm. in others. One mm. point that really struck home for me was about the curtsying. And Julieta and I were in agreement that we just found it bizarre, surely... When she sort of said, no, I didn't Google them, I didn't look them yeah, up, I didn't know about any yes. curtsying. And I just thought, 
surely with any of your girlfriends, you would have at some point, one of them would have said, well, you've got to learn how to curtsy, girl, because that's what you do in the royals. I mean, anyone that's watched The Princess Diaries knows that's what happens. Oh, God. <laughs> exactly right. She's a smart woman, you know. Oh. There's no way she was as naive, I don't believe. Yep, good point. Mm. Uh, okay, well, Malk, so many talking points, as Brooke has just pointed out. Uh, the one I found fascinating, and I think the world is now playing a guessing game at, is the institution they kept mm. referring to, and then they ruled out certain players, the Queen. Funnily enough, Prince Philip, who would be the obvious hmm. sort of, to me, racist one, because he has made very poor, uh, said very said things in very poor taste before, um, have been ruled out, which really leaves only four contenders, because she did insist they were very, very senior royals. Uh, who could have made yes. those comments about Archie's skin colour. There were also some inaccuracies, including those uh, comments about when those uh, skin comments were made, whether it was when she was pregnant or before. Mm. Uh, Thomas Markle believes it was just a dumb question, that the royals aren't racist. Mind you, I mean, how much Thomas knows, who knows? Uh, also, the title that, Harry, that really seemed to set the ball rolling uh, about... Archie not getting the HRH title, I think has been pointed out that if you're seventh in line to the throne, you get it or something like that. So when the Queen dies or Charles dies, he will get it. So mm. that is not actually something that was particular to mm. Archie and uh, mm. his race. Another point was how little, um, as Brookie was just talking about, Megan knew about before she joined the firm. There are photos of her outside Buckingham Palace, blah, blah, mm. blah. And also one of the most interesting points for me was when Harry called out the firm, almost describing it like a cult, and that his brother and father were trapped in it, and he only got to leave because Megan had sort of shed light. That's really damning allegations. Uh, also, the other real point for me was I've never heard a royal talk about how precarious their position in in to exist, mm. their right to exist is, and he really took pains to point out the paparazzi and palace intertwining as a relationship with, which they both need. Um, and as we watched The Crown last year, it was one of our group binges, there was that episode with Princess Margaret where she did see a shrink. So obviously she did get help at some point. And remember those oh, two cousins Joe, that were locked you away? Think of Princess Margaret, that haunting episode where she said, yeah. don't take away this role from me. I think it was like the Privy Council. Mm. Don't take it away, it's mm. my job. And I just thought Harry had all his jobs taken away in the army. Um, he yeah. wanted so much to be a soldier, wasn't allowed, blah, blah, blah. I just thought he the wanted juice, out yeah. to establish a job for himself, don't you think, Mulk? And, and a role, yeah. Mate, how messy is it? There's so much How Mulk. messy so is messy. all of it? I don't it. even know what I'm asking. Just Who, go but, for it. Well, that's what the catch. Who even knows? I... I uh, my very humble opinion. I do not think for a second that Megan should have known what she was getting into because how could you have known? Short of spending a week on some amazing tropical isle uh, whisking Catherine away and saying, all right, love, give us the 101. Even then, I don't think it would have covered it. Um, really? I, I think it's just impossible because a whole bunch of the stuff that they're talking about is inside. Even if Harry had sat down, I don't think he even realised what they, as in he and Megan, were in for until she's inside the firm, 
right? It was all of that sort of mess and hideousness. Even the fact that she'd have to learn how to curtsy. Oh, look, I think after mm. watching uh, that last season, most recent season of The Crown, everybody knows that someone's going to learn how to curtsy. Um, That's what I mean. She, she would have known. Uh, do you think it's a disconnect between Americans understanding that these are paid positions and these are duties? This just doesn't Remember the last time an, uh, one of the British royal family fell in love with an American? What happened? Well, yes, he had to leave because he wasn't allowed to. So see how far they've progressed? Yeah, sure. This is progressive. Um, uh, look, it, it was... Well, no, hold on. Point of fact, he did have to. He abdicated mm. because Wallace Simpson was a divorcee. Uh, Meghan had been married previously. That's right. The that Church of England has somewhat allowed. softened its stance on divorcees. Um, however, yes, I, look, I acknowledge it, oh, it was more the play on... So that- Teeny tiny bit of progression. The, the teeniest of the tiniest bits, right? Um, do, do you think they can survive? Oh, then? The, the royals? Mate, totally. Yeah. They, they will survive this, no you question. Think they'll outlive Mate, this. You, want, you want the best bit of complete sort of contemptuous scuttlebutt and conspiracy theory. Um, somebody said to me today, and please hold nothing to this, it is absolute, absolute conspiracy. Philip is in hospital on life support and cannot live without the machines making him live and they are keeping him there until they can turn the machines off so that it suits them. I know that's hideous, isn't it? However, just for that moment, you went, oh, it's possible. That's the the worst part about conspiracy theories. Um, Look, I think that in this situation, absolutely, Harry and Meghan have pulled the best PR stunt of all time because... They have broadly claimed but not pointed at any one person. So you won't get a Charles and Diana style, you know, she said, he said interview situation. Mm-hmm. The Queen's never going to sit down with anyone, Terry Wogan, mm-hmm. uh, and, and give him, you know, all of the, the secrets. Um, I do, thought th- do you think it's important for William or Charles to come out after he basically said that they were being locked up? Oh, look, I, I, they had no free that, that's will. going to be a cold next family gathering when he has to front up to them, isn't mm-hmm. it? Um Malk, don't you think it's brilliant for Meghan, but a disaster for Harry? Yeah, all of the all of the yeah. relationship loser in this is Harry. There's no question, because but also mm. it it makes her a rolled gold mega celebrity in America. She can set her own price for anything. They'll all want to hear from her. Yes. Uh, but everyone just thinks Harry's betrayed his family. Oh, I don't think they do in America. I think they do in England. Um, but in in America, he is not the marketable commodity. Oh, I think this is the is. beginning of it. But yes, certainly Megan is, you know, she's the two million star and he's the one million star. Um, because he's in America, they don't get it. He's still royalty to them. He's still Prince Harry. Um, so all, any of him and all of his indiscretions aside, he's still part of the royal family. Um, so there's that. But you're right. is- Megan's the one. Dan has got a very serious face yes. on. Yes, Get Dan, we are getting to just, you. Yeah. We are de- I, I feel, I feel I, actually I, slightly scared. Of, <laughs> I know, because... What's going to come out? I know. Well, Dan, at the heart of this is that very sad little boy, yeah. Harry, who um, felt let down and I think he was sad and he felt had felt so unsupported and just sad. His relationship mm. with his dad is in tatters, possibly beyond repair, I think. His relationship with his brother, his only real... You know, solid rock in this world is also on hold. But prior to Megan, 
these are deep, deep wounds. And I think it was serendipitous that Di's inheritance was used, but I also, also, also excuse me, think Di would be terribly distraught to know that her two boys were not together anymore mm. um, when all they had for so long was each other. He kept referring to not repeating the sins of the past. Has the palace learned nothing, do you think, in, in the period since his mother? Oh, look, it's, uh, yeah, it seems not, and it seems the press certainly have not. I'm so glad you came to me for this question because the biggest takeaway from me in this mm. was that Harry is desperately sad. Mm. And let's just strip away strip away the fact that they're millionaires and they were chatting to billionaires yep. and it's the royal family and it's all ridiculous, right? The whole, the whole idea of the royal family is absurd in my mind. What we saw, if you strip all of that away, mm. this was mm. about a man whose wife was suicidal mm. and he mm. was willing to do anything he had to do to protect her to and protect her. his yep. family. And just go with that basic human emotion. And on that, I can't wrap my head around a lot of the commentary that's come out. Mm -hmm. I mean, high-profile commentary from people like Piers Morgan, who has Ugh. since exited Ugh. his morning show over in Britain, but also a lot of our dear friends on the Facebook page being very scathing. I just can't wrap my head around when somebody is brave enough to talk about their mental health issues. And she was, there is no way she was lying about that. I'm sorry. That was an honest recounting mm -hmm. of a mental health battle. I don't know that how anyone can sit back and then tell her how she should be feeling in that moment, mm -hmm. how she should react to that. Mental health is a really private, personal, individual struggle for people. And for me, as soon as that card is put on the table and you know that he's, Harry's just doing whatever he yep. can to protect her and protect his family, I think all bets are, I think you have to step back and just let, that is their truth. So you he had no judge. choice is what yeah, you're sort of absolutely. saying. He had no choice. He was backed you know, into He saw Apple. what happened to his mother. Yeah. And, and just, he couldn't and, protect her. Yeah. And as you but said, he like he doesn't want wife. to repeat the history. He can't. I mean, can you imagine? He would be thinking about every day he would have in his head that memory of walking behind his mother's coffin. Mm. Mm. And I can only imagine that he was just picturing his wife laying in that coffin and walking behind her. Like, how can you? That's just such a, that's a trauma that I don't think many people can even attempt to process. And so I think we have absolutely no right to then judge either of them on how they went about ensuring that that didn't become a reality. Dan, I'm so glad you spoke on this podcast because I think you've even made me, and I'm very sensitive to it, but, but shifted my feelings mm -hmm. a little. So thank you for that. Um, I do thank you. I guess we could talk forever about this. Mm. I just want to quickly ask, and Malk, you're probably the number crunching man. It was a big win for Nine last night to jump in on the back of the interview and, and go ahead with a whole crisis coverage. And you were telling me earlier that Ten is also doing one tomorrow night. Is this the story that's going to keep giving? Um, Look, I, I think... Are we going to be here I forever? Think the givings, we promise not another group well, binge the giving's on given up, right? <laughs> like, it, the definitive conversation around this absolutely is the TV Binge Box podcast. However, prior to us, Nine pulled a royal, mm. you know, fallout special on, on Tuesday night after maths which kept most of its audience into the 9pm time slot. So that was good business for them, mm. and they returned to winning. Monday night, it was all 10 all the way. 1.366 yeah. million viewers just in the five capital cities watched Oprah, Harry, and Meghan. Uh, and then I think it went up to about 1.6, 1.7 uh, around the country. 10 won the night, mm. both primary channel and networks, for the first time in, I think, five years. Like... So wow, people can't get it. Oh, enough. it was so, a bombshell as far as that regard. As, as far as that regard, Brooke, Brookie, 
PR Triumph or a train wreck? And give Oprah a rating Ooh. for me. I mean, we didn't get to see all of the... I imagine a lot was left on the cutting room floor and the bits there were extra bits to be shown the as three well. Three and a half hours Do you think recorded. she was too friendly, uh, too on board? Do no, you think I've got an enormous amount of respect for Oprah mm-hmm. and there's a brilliant podcast on her rise from nowhere to her success, which is called Making Oprah. Mm. Uh, what I liked was that she clearly had empathy with... Mm the couple, particularly Megan, and was friendly and encouraging, but she still asked the direct questions, and she said, well, these stories are out there about Mm, you. How do you respond to them? And then she said she was actually quite disbelieving at points with Harry Mm. and brought Mm, him up uh, and just really pressed him on a few of his assertions, which I I thought correctly, Um, but she knew what she was doing. I thought it was almost faultless, apart from their over-reliance on those high camera shots where they kept swerving around. Just show us the people. How else would they sell those chairs that have since gone off online? $620 on Amazon. Oh, there you are. Um, all right, well, we've got to wrap this up. Boys, I do want a rating from you. Um, I certainly think it was an overwhelming success in terms of television viewing. Um, at what cost? I don't know. They got a, you know, their freedom and a Netflix deal, but what personal yeah. cost to Harry, as we said. But for their He's new so life unhappy, in America, uh, the American audience who are largely sympathetic to everything they said, I think it's a rousing success for them in their new homeland, if that's what part of it was. Um, and I think they even promised a sequel at the end, didn't they? I think they said um, something like, this is only the beginning. So there might be a part two, who knows? Um, but they certainly burnt the house down as well, didn't they, when they left? So <laughs> I'm going to start with Go my rating. I am definitely, for TV watching, for explosiveness, for talk factor, water cooler talk factor, five out of five for me. Five and a half out of five. I could not get enough. And that wow. is terrible because I know... It was sad on Harry's part, but yeah. Best TV I've watched all year. Gosh. Boys, Well, and the point I want to make is that it was television. This is something that is incredibly old-fashioned, if you like. Uh, A two-hour interview, uh, very few bells and whistles on a free-to-air TV network everywhere, really, not just in the US. Could have gone with Apple, could have gone with Netflix. Oh, Brookie. Could have gone with Spotify. CBS have just launched Paramount Plus. They didn't even drop it on that. No. Mm. And here on Channel 10, um, uh, people were saying that the the 10 play experience was (laughs) really left a lot to be desired. So I think that this shows, if you've got a message to get out there, and reach the masses, uh, free-to-air television is still the way to go. I I found it fascinating. I didn't believe or agree with everything in it, but for as in terms of a TV production, Oprah's interviewing skills, just what it has generated, this you know controversy and even just feeling a need to discuss it, I think it's also got to be five out of five from me. Nice. I won't All give right. it the extra half joke. Enthusiastic, <laughs> it's great. It's got royals. It's got saga. It's got everything. Malk, where do you sit with it's it? It's got royals. It's got saga. That's how she became the nanny. Um, <laughs> look, I give this a Princess Diana out of five. It was that level of amazing and bombshell and gobsmacking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
fair enough. Even down to the and fact that she mimicked her eye makeup. Did you notice so that? So subtle, wasn't it? So great. I'm sure there's an she article on the so Daily good. Mail about that one. Mm. And Dan, final word to the beating heart of our podcast. This may be the first time ever that we were all in agreement. With oh, our wow. let's go. Um, yeah. I'm not judging it for the content yep. or for the intentions uh-huh. from either of them, just mm-hmm. as a piece of television. A five out of five, no question. And can I just say, Oprah Winfrey, I don't know that there has ever been and maybe never will be a greater interviewer than her. She had no notes in front of her. Yes. She listens. She listens and she responds mm. with empathy. Mm. She's in the moment with her subjects. She's extraordinary. It was a yeah. fantastic interview, five out there of five. There may be 90 minutes on the yeah. cutting room floor. But damn, that two hours or the hour and a half that got to air was amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. You can catch it on 10 Play, although apparently badly. If you did miss it, I doubt you did. But, you know, there's bits and pieces everywhere and there is a 10 special tomorrow Mm. night. Okay, Brookie, what are we watching next week? Well, as previously promised, we are going back to the 1980s to London town for the Stan drama it's a sin. This is about living and loving and growing up, uh, the first sort of blush of youth. I hesitate to label it what it has been labeled by others as an AIDS drama because AIDS as a disease, as a terrible blight on a group of people is very central to the drama, but I think that everybody who has watched it agrees there is so much more. Some people have been binging this through the night. They find it that captivating. Others have had to space out their viewing because it is so emotional. Upsetting, yes, but also uplifting in parts. We know that you are very keen to hear the discussion for this because the Facebook group has been going off Mm. every time Mm. this has got a mention and it's got a lot of mentions. I can't wait to discuss it all with you and at the very least relive that fabulous 80s nostalgia absolutely and you can I can't find wait. it on stan on stan it's a sin all right now we have a little bit of time left for our rewind monkey monk what show have you been reliving oh, re-watching look friends I, I had to go to the source for this uh my lovely wife who is the font of all knowledge particularly when it comes in relation to this tv series um Oh. Maybe you were uh, as connected to it as she was. I was in and out, but I was certainly in for a bit. It was 1993. Paul Keating was PM. John Hewson's goose had just been cooked with the GST birthday cake question put to him by Mike Willisy on A Current Affair. Home and Away's <sighs> Demi Harmon was born and Fred Hollow dies. The Super Bowl oh. had its first ever halftime solo performer. Michael Jackson. The winner was Sydney. They got to host the 2000 Olympic Games. It was announced in 93. And some kids called Brittany, Justin and Christine joined the cast of the Disney Channel series The New Mickey Mouse Club. In Australia, Jim Robinson died of a heart attack on Neighbours and we said goodbye to the AO classification. Seven farewell to country practice and everyone was wondering how they would replace it. Then... Wow, what a year. On Tuesday, the 10th of September, a young lady called Margaret Ann Maggie Doyle drove into a small rural Victorian town called Mount Thomas, and the rest was history. 
Welcome to Blue Healers, running for 13 Blue seasons Healers. and a whopping 510 wow. episodes. It launched the careers of, among others, Lisa McCune, mm-hmm. Tasma Walton, Grant Bowler, Ditch Davey, Charlie Clawson, and a whole lot more. Um, experienced actors such as John Wood, uh, Julie Nyhill, Martin Sachs, and William McInnes also benefited from the series as established cast, with Wood and Nyhill seeing out every one of those 510 eps. In 2001, it was the most watched Aussie program behind ER and Friends, with the highest rating episode drawing, get this, and this is five city metro, 1,757,000 viewers. And there was no Maggie Doyle in it. In 2000, in season seven, when the second episode of the season, get this, the second episode of the season killed Maggie Doyle off. The show pulled 2,093,000 viewers. And because it was an Olympic year, it didn't even get into the top 20. Just by the way, for comparison, the Olympic opening ceremony, which was the most watched program that year, 6.6 million viewers. Five city metro. We didn't have any regional TAM then. So, friends, did you watch? Was it front of mind or not your thing? Let me tell you, for lovely wife... Uh, it was her weekly Tuesday date with her her ah. best friend who was the vet in the country town that they lived in. And uh, it started with Blue Healers and ended with Long Conversations. Did you watch? That's really gorgeous. Yeah. I loved um, everything about it. I thought it was fab. <clears throat> um, started on a Tuesday night, got bumped to Wednesdays yes. when All Saints premiered. And what a week. Oh. All Saints Tuesday, Blue Healers Wednesday. That The Maggie Doyle phenomenon is next level. Like that's... You it was know, amazing. textbook stuff in terms of the the impact that she had. It was such a great show. Bring it back. Phenomenal. She's still Australia's darling, isn't she? Yeah. Really, Lisa McCune. It's like right. you feel like she never ages. She's always yeah. going to be that girl, isn't she? I was backpacking around the world when it started, so I never really got into it, wow. I've got to say. But, of course, yeah. you know, it is a huge... We all know and love the characters. Mm. Even if you didn't watch the show, that's how much they sort of seeped into everyday life. What about you, Brookie? I I never really watched it, but I do admit I really liked the whole idea of it. Hmm. I think it was a life stage thing. Hmm. I was kind of uh, university, not so much television, watching. Yes. Um, I think I, I had been younger than I would have looked upon it with the same fondness that I did a country practice, which I did grow up with. Yep. We do do a good a police drama really well, I think. Mm. Don't you think? Yeah. Like yeah. a local cop. Oh, we had good history thing. before that, and this cemented it for us. There yeah. is no question. Yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely. The first season had 47 episodes in it, 47 hours of television. It started in 1993 and ran into 94. It's. Them were the days. It's outrageous. The, the, the kind <laughs> of numbers that it pulled. I think they deserve a, a Where Are They Now special. Oh, at the very yeah, least. That's a great right? idea. Like all of them. Was it, was it Martin Sachs yeah. in it? Was he yeah. in it as well? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, there were so many great um, actors that went on to do. Dan, um, get on so to it. So many things. Yeah, what are you doing with your life, Bennett? Yep. Seriously. Write that don't, script, Dan. Don't think I'm not trying. <laughs> don't think I'm not trying. Like, it really was amazing. And it did uh, set up a whole bunch of those actors to, to fall about into all sorts of did. other things. For life. Um, but for, mm. you know, for... for uh, Lisa McCune, who played the, the titular role of Maggie Doyle, it really was her story, her love affair with PJ, the, the fact that Mount Thomas was um, 
you know, this absolute core of all crime in rural, rural Victoria. Um, it, like, it was more than a crime a week. It was phenomenal, but it wasn't just their show. Like, John Wood as uh, Senior Sergeant, uh, William McInnes as, as Schultz, like, all these guys uh, filling out the cast and the mm. town and the fact that, you know, you could go down the pub and see Julie... Uh, uh, you know, and and here and keep up with everything. It was brilliant. They uh, they did incredible things for the Victorian police at a time when they really needed it too. Let me tell you, um, Blue Healers has seasons one to seven, as I call it, the Maggie Doyle era, on Amazon Prime Video. All of them there, and ah. if you want to watch all thirteen seasons, they are on seven plus right now. Okay, nice, good. Oh, very nice. Well, hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, lots of viewing tips there. You can jump on our TV Binge Box podcast gang. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Facebook page for more of them and to have a chat with us and our binges about all things TV. And you may even end up being on uh, our pod next week. So I think we should bring back the post of the week, fellas. What do you think? Yeah. Definitely. All right. That brings us to the end of this week's pod. A huge thanks, as always, to our Binge Boxers, Mulk, Brookie, Damn, we're so glad you joined us this week. I'm going to try and rope you in next week again. Uh, where can we find you on the socials, Mulk? I'm at Steve Mulk, everywhere important. And friends, I would like to uh, encourage you, um, and, and this is me being serious just for a moment, we would love for more people to listen to TV Binge Box and enjoy it with all of us and all of you. So tell your friends, grab their phone, open up the podcast app oh, and idea. subscribe them. Don't even tell them. Just subscribe yeah. them. Let it be a surprise. Um, but we absolutely also nice. love you to um, seriously leave us a great review. Give us a five-star rating. Uh, that will not only help other people find the podcast because it pops up in, in Apple's promoted charts and stuff, but it makes us feel good because, you know, we, we love doing it and we love we need the affirmation. Hurry up and do it. We do. All right. Brookie, where can we find you? I'm at Viscount Brookie. Full stop. <laughs> the end. <laughs> it's just like a single name. Um, and Dan. I am at Dan M. Bennett on Twitter and underscore Dan M. Bennett on Insta. Oh, my God. I went back to Twitter this week. It was so weird. I forgot my logins Gosh. and everything, and there were all these messages there for me. I haven't been there for so long. It was like visiting an old playground. Um, I'm at Joe Casamento one on Twitter. I will go back there this week. And at Joe.Casamento on Instagram. Thanks to everyone for listening. We look forward to your company again next week for more TV Binge Box. Until then, we are out.